You want to help or you want to sing? I want to sing. Okay, all right, you take the fa-la-las as a solo. Oh, I get a solo. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Okay, so uh, that's from Laverne and Shirley. Penny Marshall died yesterday at the age of 75. I'm uh, amazed at how much TV coverage it's getting on the major networks. Your Today shows, your, uh, you know, your all those shows. Um, but she was a beloved TV star, so. It was a simpler time, Jack. Was it? No. No, it wasn't. Uh, Not on. at all. I was reading, I've been reading about the 70s just recently. Sounds like a very difficult time. Glad I was too young to know uh, how, how troubling it was. On the other hand, we wouldn't generally express our most uh, savage and unfriendly political thoughts in comedy, for instance. We would gather together and just enjoy a little art about the human condition and keep our politics to ourselves for, you know, 22 minutes plus commercials. Yeah, I was reading the other day, I don't know how I got on this topic, but I got sucked into it, and I just got deeper and deeper. Um, There's a book out about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and when that steel mill closed, 77, 78, something like that, about the time that Laverne and Shirley was the number one show in America, the steel industry was just collapsing in the United States, and tens of thousands of people, and Carter was president, and just there was a lot of depressing stuff going on. Sure. Um, Just out of Vietnam and Watergate, you've got stagflation going on, rampant inflation without economic growth. Yeah, it's about the time my parents bought their first house with an interest rate of about 20%. Yeah. Buying a house. It's hard to even imagine. For any of you who are younger, talking about how difficult today is, um, you know, buying a house, 20% interest rate. By the way, an, an anniversary of sorts today, we should mention, it was 20 years ago today. That the House of Representatives vote and concluded that lying about sex was an impeachable offense. And uh, under oath, under yeah. oath, yeah, it was lying yeah. under oath. But right. Uh, so you know, how does how does that warn? Do, do people still agree with that or not? I don't know. You'd have to take a poll. But we may be headed down that road again. Do I, do I like the guy who lied or not? See, that has a lot to do with it. What? Or is he on my team or not? Right. It doesn't even matter if you like him or not. Was he on my team or not? And uh, yeah, you might have a lot of people flipping 180 degrees. Here in the spring, as oh, yeah. we possibly do this all over again. I'll tell you what, you want to guarantee Donald J. Trump gets reelected? Impeach him. That's what I'm thinking. How and does that work? Oh, well, well yeah, he, he, he won't get convicted. Oh, no. The impeachment, oh, okay, is, okay, the impeachment okay. is we're going to have a trial. Then the, 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 the trial yeah, is an in accusation. the Senate. And the, and the Senate is not going to boot him out of office because there's, there's enough Republicans to keep him in office. Unless, you know, something crazy came out that even Republicans turned on him. That's what happened with Richard Nixon. Republicans said, yeah, we'll convict you because you're a criminal. And so he resigned on his own. Speaking of running against Donald Trump, this just across the Washington Examiner says there will be 45 Democrats with their hat in the ring to challenge Trump in 2020. <laughs> 45. Perfect. You, you thought that was a zoo with... What was it, 20? How many were there with the Republicans when they had to have two debates? You had to, you had to get to 3%. I think to it was a, 16. Something or like that. It might have been 18 at the beginning. Yeah. The point is a fraction of what we're talking about. Oh, that's less, just going to be delightful. Less than half. The Democrats might have to have three or four debates. Can we break what? it up into age brackets? <laughs> we have the senior debate, the 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 youngster debate, and then the, the in the middle debate. <laughs> I like the age bracket one. Uh, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, something. Yeah, it's right. They're going to have to find some way to divide it. Otherwise, I mean, 
otherwise, let's just have three-minute speeches each year. We'll go through the row, and we'll hand out a, uh, a scorecard sponsored by Pepsi for you to fill out at home, give each guy, a, a gal, a, a score, one to ten, and then, you know, we'll go from there. And then the top, let's do it like American Idol. We'll boot off two per. And no matter what you think about Trump, you I think you have to admit that a whole bunch of people allows a more unusual, and you might think this is good choice to emerge as the winner, because you don't have to. You know, you can be at you could be at twelve percent with forty eight people, and 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 you know lead in the polls, be the number one person in the middle of the stage throughout the whole thing. Right, but if you have that many people running, how are they going to differentiate themselves? At some point, we've got to figure this out to where everybody doesn't get to be a candidate on the stage. The Republicans dealt with that recently. but So your Al Sharptons or whoever like that, that it's obviously a joke candidacy. Of course, that's what people would have said about Trump. Yeah. Uh, may I stop you there? Right. That is exactly what a lot of people, including people I like on the right, said about Trump. Um, me calling Al Sharpton a joke candidacy. So who gets to determine who's a joke candidate and who not? Remember, the Huffington Post would not cover Donald Trump their political news section. They put it in the entertainment section because they didn't think it was real. He's the danged president of the United States. Right. So, which just It goes to show you how foolish you can look if you I could, decide to prejudge. Yeah, I could be as wrong as the Huffington Post in, in thinking Al Sharpton's a ridiculous choice. Nobody's well, as wrong as the Huffington Post. <laughs> If it, I think I'm what? right in this case about Al Sharpton, but there could be somebody else that think, no, come on, that's that's silly. Yeah, and, but they don't have to decide that. Let the people decide that. Let it work out. Quit, well, you, trying, you, quit trying to be our ideological overlords. But to get back to my point, which was relevant, how they differentiate themselves is going to, because uh, I'm sure a lot of them will have. I'm uh, taller. Very fun. <laughs> well, that would work uh, for some of them. Uh, I'm sure some of them would have very honorable ideas about, well, listen, I, I'm a thinker. I've passed legislation. I was a attorney general. I, I'm just, I'm just going to let me speak for me. And then six weeks later, they're mired at three quarters of a percent. And they're all going to have to try to run to the left of each other. Well, not all of them. You're going to have a substantial chunk of them decide to go way, 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 way left. And we're going to have people like dressing as Che Guevara or, <laughs> or, or like with the, the, the Communist Manifesto under their hands or, or, you know, that sort of thing. And then you're going to have a smallish group that decides, no, 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 it's too far left. I'm going to be the moderate. And then they'll be moderately fighting each other to prove who's the most moderate. I think tone will also be a differentiating thing, and you'll have people like Joe Biden who think, I'm going to come off as the grown-up adult in the room, get back to normalcy. A statesman. A statesman. And then you're going to have people who are an, an embarrassing, in many cases, I'm sure, uh, pretender to be a Donald Trump uh, and try to do the same thing. And they'll battle it out for that. Well, and then eventually, you know, God willing and if the creek don't rise, one of them has to run against Donald Trump. And... Those who think they can out-Trump Trump, uh, you remember uh, Marco Rubio thought he could he could get in the ring and, and go Trump to Trump with Trump, and I thought he did so brilliantly, but his internal polling showed his people hated it, yeah, and so they chickened out on it, so that whole dynamic's going to be fun to watch, but first, Kateri. a lot of chaos and ugliness before we winnow it down to one candidate. And since it is 2018, the, the final weeks of 2018, and the election is... In 2020, it seems like it's a long way out. But the first voting for choosing candidates starts in about a year, just over a year mm-hmm. in Iowa. And so they got to start making their arguments and lining up their money and all that sort of stuff uh, very soon. You'll have people officially declared within weeks, no doubt about it. 
Chaos and ugliness. My ticket. I should talk about Elizabeth Warren, a speech she gave to a whole bunch of black students the other day. as She's trying to get her minority bona fides back after her misstep oh. over the whole Indian thing. You know, hey, it's, as long as you brought it up, just real quickly, because that made a heck of an impression on me, too. She decided her brand of getting to the left of everybody was to express the most virulent hatred of America and how awful it was and how fixed it was. Sy- systemic racism right, is what's keeping how- you from succeeding. Right. Right. It's a terrible country and racist. And she's going to try to. So the America haters are going to have this scratching, clawing, climbing over each other contest to assert their bona fides on that level. And that's going to be hard to take. I'll tell you what, I'll look into this article about uh, 45 Democrats and see what names they have on there, because there's got to be some wacky names on there. Is Stormy Daniels on there? Is Michael Avenatti on there? <laughs> I mean, some ridiculous ideas. Yeah, um, often though, if it's some, and we can go to break. I'm ready. We got a we got a good guest coming up. But if it's a semi obscure governor of you know some state, they might end up being a favorite. How about a former reality show host with a lot of money? Highly unlikely. Yeah, Oprah's got to be on the list. Uh, stay tuned. This this some people are really hailing this as a, a great moment for America. Bipartisan that we've got some criminal justice reform going. What actually happened? We'll talk to a Washington Post reporter about that next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By the way, it's the co-chair of the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee told MSNBC there would be around 40 Democratic hopefuls. Wow. Uh, They've broken down about 45, they think. Um, Most of these people have either said they're interested in it or haven't ruled it out. And any time a politician says they haven't ruled it out, they're... Are, in. are they presidential hopefuls the same way that I'm a Mr. Scarlett Johansson hopeful? <laughs> um, and, and it was 17 Republicans in 2016, and we thought that was an incredibly unwieldy number. We're looking at like 45. So I'll go through the list a little bit later because it's, it's kind of entertaining. First, though, let's uh, talk about this landmark, according to some criminal justice reform bill passed uh, in a bipartisan fashion by the Senate. Karen Demersian of the Washington Post joins us to discuss said legislation. Hello, Karen. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. So uh, we're talking about the federal prison system, and that's probably worth mentioning first, right? Right. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, there's, um, it's a limited, limited subsection of the incarcerated population. And are, you know, do federal prisons have 10% of the incarcerated population or 50% or, or, or what? Do you uh, it's, it's, especially when you're talking about people that would be affected by this type of legislation, which mostly deals with, you know, drug crimes and other sorts of offenses like that. It's a very small percentage of the overall population of people who are in jail. Huh. So why, why is this? Go ahead, Jack. What was the driving force? You know, because we can't have anything bipartisan currently. What is the driving force really that appealed to both uh, Republicans and Democrats in Congress that, that just well, was so overwhelming that they could come together on this? It, I mean, Democrats, this is not that surprising that all of the Democrats voted for it. It's the Republicans that have made the big shift since the years of the war on drugs, right, and, and other um, very heavy-handed tactics that you know, were supposed to be tough on crime. This has been underway for a few years. You've had people like 
um, Chuck Grassley, who's the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman, saying we have to do something differently. This just doesn't make any sense. The drain on resources is not helping the question of recidivism. These are people who have committed minor, minor offenses in some cases, and they're not actually a threat to society, so why are we jailing them for years and years and years? Obviously, there's been a national discussion going on for quite a long time, you know, about how the the prison system unfairly, disproportionately, shall we say, punishes some people for some uh, so for some drug crimes and not others for others, it's like the you know, the, the cocaine debate versus the crack debate. Um, but it never kind of trickled up to the federal government level until the last few years. And as the more the discussion's been happening, the more Republicans have been getting on board. And the fact that the president and his son-in-law really got behind this. Jerry Kushner was behind it for quite a while working on it. And then Trump giving it a kick of, you know, yeah, we got to be tough on crime. we got to be fair about it, too, helped the majority of the party get on board. And so you've now seen, you know, the, the, the new normal for what the GOP is to be a lot more, um, I, I wouldn't say completely forgiving, but a lot more open to rewriting the rules and trying to make the system function more properly. Yeah. I know when I started talking, I said, you know, this is not going to address the majority of the, the um, incarcerated population for these types of crimes in the United States, but the federal government can set an example. I mean, some states have taken measures on their own already. The federal government taking this sort of a step is kind of setting what it might be the standard now that other um, state judicial systems have appealed to. I know there have been objections from both the right and the left and or uh, amendments offered. Uh, what? Why don't we start with the right? What was bothering people like Tom Cotton or, or Ted Cruz about the legislation? Well, basically, they didn't think that it was, um, they thought it was too broad. They thought it was going to be too, uh, light-handed and loose for people that have committed certain crimes. They also, they, they proposed a bunch of different amendments that had everything to do with, you know, uh, uh stating that if, if you were involved in certain types of crimes that involved, I mean, they were invoking questions of violence against women and, and, and child molestation and things like that saying that we have to state in the bill that if you are you know, at all implicated or suspected of anything in these categories, that you would never be um, eligible for any sort of reduced sentencing. Because remember, a lot of this is not for the, you know, it's, it's going to, let me take that back, part of this is going to retroactively affect the current incarcerated population, but most of this is projections for how many how many years people are sentenced to. If there's a three strikes and you're out sort of policy, how long you're, set, you're spending in jail, uh, if it's life or if it's a limited number of years. Um, so it's re- it's reducing the sentencing guidelines more than uh, more than anything else, and, and un- undoing this this uh, notion of mandatory minimums across the board. Um, the uh, other amendments that they were proposing were things like mandatory notification requirements for any sort of victims of any of these crimes, and the advocacy community was pushing back and saying, "Look, can't plant with a broad brush like this that would completely." remove the discretion from the judges, which we were trying to put into the bill in the first place. And also, when it comes to victims, some victims want to put this stuff in the rearview mirror. You would basically be mandating that everybody has to approach being the victim of a crime the same way. And there was a big put back and forth, really, really difficult um, struggle over this, where eventually you had to have Republicans come across the aisle and join with some Democrats to kill all these amendments, because the idea was that, look, even if some of them seem appealing, and even if some of them seem designed to make us take votes that are hard and might open us up to accusations that we are not tough enough on, on crime, that it's going to destroy the coalition they built around this bill to actually do any of that stuff. So that was the late-breaking um, tension that you saw around this bill in the last few weeks. Interesting. Karen Demersian of the Washington Post is on the line. And from reading your piece in the Washington Post, I understand that the objections from the left were 
kind of the opposite. They wanted it to be a bit more uh, generous and um, and 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 far reaching. Uh, Karen Demersion of the Washington Post. Karen, thanks very much. I appreciate uh, the time very much. Good to talk to you. Thanks. I know a lot of people looking at the text were having trouble understanding her. So, Joe, can you uh, summarize uh, what's going on here? Oh, wow. Did they have that much trouble? Yeah. Uh, I, where I could, do I start? I, I, I couldn't either, so. Yeah, it, yeah, okay. We have a lot it of people was, listening in a lot of different manners, but. It was a bit of an issue, yes. Uh, look, where do you want to start? You know, it. Good thing or bad thing? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's hard to say. It's a limited thing. Mm. Deals with the federal prison population, sentencing going forward. Uh, to me, you know, there are a number of things that were tried during the so-called war on drugs, which continues in some stupid fashion today. They were just, they were not effective. They were not good. They thought they could, you know, scare people into not participating in the drug trade by, uh, you know, ending your life, essentially. They put you in jail for the rest of your life, mandatory minimums that were gigantic and all. And it, it hasn't worked, and it's ruined people's lives, and it just... I don't know. You got to, as the president himself said, um, partly to head off uh, any uh, trouble for people who supported this, that we want to be tough on crime but fair on crime. And uh, Trump said, my job is to fight for all citizens, even those who have made mistakes. So we'll see. You ever, you ever date Penny Marshall, Marshall? Uh, no, I did not, but I met her okay. a couple of times. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Lawyer married for a while. That's how she got the last name. She was married to Rob Reiner yep. for quite a while. Ten years. They're quite a power couple. Yes, indeed. And a couple of great directors. But they had some interesting danged conversations. Two of my favorite directors, actually. I will tell you this. Penny Marshall was quite salty in person. Very funny. Quite salty. <laughs> <laughs> she strikes me that way. So the the, the beer-drinking um, uh, independent woman that she played in Laverne and Shirley in the 70s was... Sort of close to her actual persona, though. I would say, from what I know, yeah. And then the Shirley part of Laverne and Shirley found God. Is that what you told us, Joe, and left the show? Yeah, I don't remember specifically. Mm. It, it, That's fine. She went a little fundamentalist and couldn't deal with Hollywood anymore. And well, I remember I, thinking yeah, I at the know. time, I get it. Yeah. You wouldn't have to be super fundamentalist to not be able to deal with Hollywood, the more we're learning about right. it. Right. I right. talked last week about this new Howard Hughes book that is out. I've always admired Howard Hughes, just in that kind of weird way that we admire super rich people. He was Harvey Weinstein. He was absolutely yep. Harvey Weinstein. Oh, sexually speaking? Yeah, back in the day. And and making starlets that they'd have sex with them and buying their contracts if they turned him down and making sure they never worked and right. ruining them and oh. spreading and getting stories in the newspaper that weren't true about them and that sort of stuff. He absolutely was Harvey Weinstein. Well, and, Howard Hughes, you know, allegedly. Cindy Williams of Laverne and Shirley fame was probably aware of all the child molesters in Hollywood. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to be too fundamentalist to decide, I don't want to hang around this anymore. Right. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the border shutdown battle may be winding down. we got a troubling new development, though, at the southern border and the connection between nicotine and dementia. Uh, okay, with everybody vaping nicotine, that's probably a good story to get into. Um, and are they going to raise the interest rates again? The president was howling about it. It was scheduled for today. We'll uh, get an update on that. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We have linked a hot viral video at armstrongandgetty.com that uh, even by viral standards was pretty virally. This um, girl turns 21 years old. 
has a little party there at the bar. All, her and all her friends drinking shots. Her boyfriend's there. She turns to her friend and gives him a uh, quite spirited lecture about how she's dumping him because she found all the texts on his phone to some other girl. Yeah. And anyway, within like an hour, five and a half million people had watched that video. Wow. Isn't that incredible? A couple of years ago, it would have been impossible to get 50 people to know about your breakup with your boyfriend in a day. Now, you, you plan it right, five and a half million people in an hour have seen you lecture him about cheating on you. Or if God help you, you make a mistake, an error in judgment, you say something perhaps you shouldn't or whatever, within an hour, five million people can be condemning you and calling for your job to be taken away and your life to be ruined. And I can only assume she'll be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight and maybe one of the Bachelorettes next season or something <laughs> because of this. Wow, the, the, it's a weird world we live in. Let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, kick in the can. Senate leaders are crafting a bill to avert a partial shutdown of the federal government at the end of the week. The bill would extend funding for several weeks for about a quarter of the government departments and agencies. Senate Leader Mitch McConnell saying... We've been down this path before. And uh, I don't believe we'll go down this path again. <laughs> he's, he's a uh, he's a spirited talker. Yes, he he's is. he's uh, the American Winston Churchill. Just really inspirational. He apparently, behind closed doors, is a very powerful mover, shaker, convincer of things. But he doesn't play that card in public, man. Yep. Much of the government's already been funded through the 2019 fiscal year. Remember that? The short-term funding bill became possible when President Trump apparently softened his demand for $5 billion to help build a massive border wall. But Trump tweeted this morning, one way or another, we will win on the wall. Meanwhile, on the border, they're calling it a new phenomenon. Customs and Border Patrol agents say migrants are showing up in groups of 100 or more at remote parts of the U.S.-Mexico border that aren't equipped to handle the influx. It is a new challenge for the agency's resources. And, and why are they pursuing this strategy? Are they getting in, or what's happening? Well, they're trying to overwhelm the... Uh, the they're, What they're doing is they're looking for weak spots. Sure. You, you come up you come up to uh, uh, part of the, the border where there don't seem to be very many agents, so you'll try and do a flash mob, maybe try and run well, in. Well, that's full-on illegal. Yeah, sure. Uh, so you, I thought you meant overwhelm, as in there's just too many people to do all the paperwork, well, something like that. But if you just, like, rush the border I where think, there's not very many people. I think it's a combination of uh, all of the above. You know, just try to overwhelm the agents that are there. you got two agents, and you're trying to all push in. Cool. And so should we build bridges then? Yes, we should build walls? bridges to make it easier. Okay. Um, uh, somehow that got coordinated, obviously. They didn't just all independently come up with the same idea at the same time. Sure, it's the cartels. It's the coyotes. It's the human smugglers. This is a billions-of-dollar business. Meanwhile, this story just coming out in the last hour or so. The Pentagon is indeed planning a rapid and full withdrawal of U.S. ground forces from Syria. There's about 2,000 American troops still in Syria to combat ISIS. And in a tweet this morning, President Trump said the U.S. has helped defeat ISIS in Syria and called it the only reason for being there. Russia, Iran, Syrian regime long desired to have the U.S. out of the war-torn country, and now it looks like we'll be pulling those troops out. Interesting. Uh, I want to follow that story throughout the day. By the way, we got this text. I'm not going to elaborate. I think some of you will understand what I'm talking about. Maybe her cat is sick or something. Left. Just leave it there. <laughs> All right. Left. <laughs> a study that was paid for by the National Institutes of Health is using nicotine patches to treat mild memory loss. Dr. Paul Newhouse, 
A cognitive medicine expert at Vanderbilt Medical Center has been researching this for years and is the lead investigator. If you have mild memory loss, nicotine can actually enhance your memory and attention functioning in a clinically uh, measurable and meaningful way. The new national this sounds study- like the 50s when you had movie stars <laughs> saying, you know what's relaxing after a good day and doctors recommend it, a smoke. Four out of five doctors relax after work with a camel's. Well, yeah, they had actual doctors pitching smokes. It's easier on your throat. Winston. (laughs) This seems tied to some of the information I've seen lately that there's reason to believe that nicotine has some nootropic effects, some sort of Mm -hmm. cognitive benefits, and it's it's. They're finding interesting ways in, in the, the, the way that nicotine interacts so with the brain. So those vaping high schoolers have it right. Well, that's what I've been asking all along. You know, addiction is not cool, and I understand somebody sent us some information on nicotine raising right. blood pressure and contributing to heart disease, which is not a good thing. But, uh, you know, if, if, if a smallish dose helps get somebody a little bit alert. I mean, it's not like we're uh, Sounds like against coffee. that. Uh, right, exactly. As a society, please. Now, for smoking, Penny Marshall died yesterday at age 75 from lung cancer as a lifelong smoker. So you don't want to do that. Final note, Texas Republican Congressman-elect Dan Crenshaw is reaching out to comedian Pete Davidson after the SNL star's really rough weekend. And That's he talked to me for a little bit about it. And, you know, we don't go back very far. We're not good friends, but I think he appreciated uh, hearing from me and you know, what I told him was this everybody has a purpose in this world God put you here for a reason it's, but it's your job to find that purpose now Davidson and Crenshaw and that purpose was to date Ariana Grande briefly Davidson and Crenshaw recently uh, met after Davidson made fr- fun of Crenshaw's appearance on Saturday Night Live Crenshaw lost his eye as a Navy SEAL in Afghanistan he wears an eye patch you recall that uh, that uh, uh, Davidson had made had made fun of him yeah, and mocked what a, him. What a cool move! And yeah. that can really make a difference. I gotta believe in somebody who's depressed to real to to hear from some people that are thinking of you and concerned, so you don't feel so alone. Yep. Crenshaw said he saw Davidson post on social media. It was so devastating. He decided he needed to call to encourage him. So he did. Pete's turned a corner on Ariana, the Ariana though, because because remember, he, I love you and I support you, and we're still friends. Well. Right. He had a nasty tweet about her over the weekend. Then she showed up there after Atta the boy. tweet. Yeah, exactly. Life. Now you're doing it the way we're doing it. Right. Um, she yeah. showed up to 30 Rock after the tweet, and he wouldn't talk to her. So, uh, yeah, things have soured there. Sent her on her way. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. But some rapper friend flew clear across the country from Los Angeles. What's that guy's name, Sean? Uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly. I'm sorry I know that. <laughs> <laughs> flew out there, and I guess that really helped things out and took Pete out on the town. I don't know. We'll see. Lorne Michaels is trying to get Pete into some sort of right. mental health facility. As he doesn't want to lose yet another star to, uh, to well, those kinds of things. I wish the lad well. It's a tough road he's walking. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when your your thing, your bit, your your bit on Saturday Night Live was, hey, I'm depressed and tried to kill myself once. And then, you know. Well, it's clearly not just a bit. Right. right. And also, if that is, it's similar to the, the fat comedians worrying about losing weight, right? Like, if, if I'm only getting roles because I'm this fat, kind of jovial character, what if I if I make myself healthier, am I going to be less uh, professionally viable? We don't want you, fat boy. Yeah, we're using you. We don't value you. That's a tough realization to run into. Sure, which played a role in yeah. Chris Farley's abuse that killed him. 
um, on Saturday Night Live. Right. So I'm sure Lorne Michaels is trying to avoid having yet a third star die who were kind of living out their image uh, too, too, too much. Some might say exploited. Uh, speaking of difficult realities, how about the fact that we're giving many multiples more than we're budgeting for the border wall? In, in the wake of Marshall's story, this is especially appropriate. We're giving many multiples of that to Central American countries to try to prop up so their people don't try to rush into our country. You know, maybe it's a good program, but the numbers will shock you. I stand to be shocked coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Next hour, I would like to get into this. The spacing effect. A new way to learn from a guy uh, that a lot of people respect. I'll explain all that coming up next hour, but um, uh, I'm I'm finding it quite intriguing, both as someone who is still trying to learn and someone who has small kids, just in the beginning of the whole official government programmed learning experience right Um, well i like the sound of it just as long as you promise me it isn't one of those fads that come and go in education i don't think it is okay i don't think it is beautiful uh i will look forward to hearing that so listen one of the frustrations of politics is that there are so many issues that are so important to you and me and and our families and they're a little complicated but good, smart people coming together can probably do something about them. On the other hand, what we have is is politics, and politicians grossly, grotesquely oversimplifying issues or just out-and-out out lying or whatever, and then we all end up at such an absurd place as, for instance, Democrats right now will give funding for border security, but not a wall, or a barrier, but not a wall. Now, what is the border security barrier going to be? It's going to be a wall, but you can't say the words. Well, and, and if, if the president takes any credit for any border security that's not specifically a wall, he gets asked about it by journalists. So you didn't get your wall. Right. Well, I got, I got, so I got the barrier that stopped. What are we doing? It's a really <laughs> idiotic discussion. Now, some people get past it, like the great Charles Krauthammer, who is missed every day. He often made the point, and, and one of the points of his book, Things That Matter, and it's actually kind of charming. He didn't realize the point of his own book until uh, his son was talking to him about it. Because he mentioned, I, you know, it's funny, uh, Charles was saying, I struggle in interviews when people ask me what my book is, what the point is really about. And his son said, well, what, are you kidding me? The point is that if you really want things that matter to happen, you got to get the politics done, because that's how it happens. And Charles was like, oh, that is the point of my book. So he wasn't as smart as we thought. It's <laughs> one way to put it. Anyway, so, uh, but he always pointed out that, listen, if you want the good and true and beautiful to happen you got to get the stupid and ugly of politics right some people get past that and 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 dive into it 
I can't. I can't either. Which probably, I I will speak for myself, that probably makes me naive and adolescent and unable to deal with reality. I don't know. Or maybe there's a role for guys like us. uh, Yeah, I, I hope so. But yeah, I think that first description is probably accurate. It just makes you not a grown up. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I'm not going to change it. I'm pretty grown up, but uh, right. I couldn't stand in front of a crowd and say stuff that I know is either completely false or very misleading, even if the result is good. I just can't do it. When does uh, and this is a long preamble to get to the story I actually want to share with you about uh, some of the funding we in Mexico are, are engaged in to try to stop people from flooding into this beautiful land, but. Um, at what point is being realistic about the electorate contempt for the electorate? Another good point. The, the present company uh, excluded. Of course, you folks are sophisticated. You're intelligent. You're oh, nuanced. Sure, I can tell thinking. by looking at the text. The, the text line. They're all nuanced and sophisticated. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the number of nuanced and sophisticated texts I read every day. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Many of them us. are, but many of them are not. 415-295-KFTC. That's 415-295-KFTC. Or you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, so anyway, uh, the U.S. and Mexico announced yesterday a big bilateral assistance program. The long and short of it is they're trying to curb migration from Central America uh, to the U.S., now, some of this is rearranging uh, existing aid program monies, but it's picking a priority. Um, so it's spending the money, but uh, we announced we'd contribute $10.6 billion uh, for various stuff, which I'll explain in a couple of minutes, and Mexico's check, uh, kicking in a bunch of money, too. Uh, the fact that it is many, many, many times what Congress is willing to spend on an actual physical barrier. As Chuck Schumer is saying, this is, uh, we have uh, national debt. This is too much spending. It's irresponsible spending. I mean, that is, you know, we were talking about spin and oversimplification and just lying. Well, that's just lying. Chuck Schumer has never met a, a, a dollar he doesn't want to spend nor tax. But at any rate, the money's going to, come um, uh, from new loans, loan guarantees, other private sector support through the Overseas Private Investment Corporation. Uh, The idea is we're going to try to get the economies going in these Central American countries and or help Mexico develop southern Mexico so that Central Americans who come into Mexico looking for a gig uh, stay there and work there. Um, And the fact that we're working with Mexico at all I think is a really, really good thing. Sure. Uh, you know, granted, things got off a little rocky during the whole, uh, we're going to build a wall, make Mexico pay for it. I'm not going to pay for your blanking wall. Uh, that whole period. Um, it's This is so hard. This is so hard as a small government guy. If my next door neighbor kid, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, a tweaker, he's on the meth. And when he's not robbing my backyard shed of all my tools, He's like, you know, groping my daughter and punching my son in the face as he's on his way to work, you know, or on his way to school. And finally, neighbor kid comes up to me and he says, you know, Joe, I, uh, I'm falling apart over here. I know. I've been awful. I got serious, serious problems. I need $500 to go to a, a local rehab program, and then I'm going to get trained as a plumber. Because i got to turn my life around. You know my family. We're broke. 
can you lend me that money? I'm going to be really tempted to help him out. But there's also a really good chance that money gets squandered, misspent, goes right to the uh, you know the oligarchs, which is the fashionable term these days uh, in those countries. And gosh, I don't know if it'll help. Allegedly, this rather small amount of money is going to help uh, 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 battle the cartels, which are giant criminal organizations. Uh, I don't think be people have so easy for that money to be stolen or misspent. Just so easy. I mean, if you can't, if we can't stop money from being wasted on various programs in our own country with oh. our own press and our own oh. language, how the heck are you going to do it in another country? Right. So the State Department says this program would quote. And keep in mind, we're talking about you know several billion dollars. It's nothing to sneeze at, but. Um, here's what the money is going to do. It would jointly address the shared challenges of migration, narcotics trafficking, and the activities of transnational criminal organizations. Hey, by the way, and I don't know why this reminded me. Well, I don't have time for it anyway. I'll talk about it next hour. If you get next hour, if you get the award-winning fourth hour, boy, are you lucky. I will tell you this, though. This is my, my uh, uh, what do you call it, my summary. And I've said this many times. You think the refugee crisis is bad right now? in the Americas from Central and South America. Wait 20 years. We have to find a way to deal with this. Or build a giant wall. And quit yelling at each other like idiots over, we won't build a wall, but, uh, you know, like multiple steel fences would be okay. <laughs> we just, we can't get it solved. Big giant wall do the trick. Yes. Uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.